I'll be damned. They came through. Duvak. Hailing them. No response. Life signs. There is no organic matter of any kind. No sign of damage to the outer hull. Primary systems are online, including life support. Something must have happened to the crew. The answer is somewhere in that Starfleet transmission. We need to finish decoding it. May I call on your talents again? Of course. Take it away, team. Secure the vessel. Tom, Tuvok. Captain, I won't pretend to know you well, but I am surprised you're not more encouraged by this discovery. I've learned to walk the line between hope and caution. We've had other opportunities that didn't work out. But I will admit, I'm leaning toward hope this time. Hello, and welcome to Snaptrack, the Star Trek podcast where we compare two episodes of the greatest franchise in the galaxy, Star Trek. I'm one of your hosts, Jen Tip, and I am joined, as always, by the one and only Ross Webster. Ross, how's it going today? Hello, it's going very well. Nice to speak to you again. You too. And uh, today is actually a special day because I'm not just joined by Ross. Today, we have a very special guest on Snaptrack. Uh, our good friend, Thad Hate. Thad, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for asking me on. I was excited to have the opportunity to be on Snaptrack and talk to you guys about a, about two episodes of Star Trek. Yay, we're so glad you're here. And Thad, uh, you, you, uh, you might know, is the host of the wonderful Delta Flyer podcast. So Thad, can you tell us a little bit about Delta Flyer and when it's coming back, hopefully? <laughs> Very soon. Uh, we, we are hoping up. at this point, because of holidays and everything else, it will probably be January. Uh, but oh, we are right. coming back very soon, coming back from hiatus to start season three of Voyager. Uh, myself and my podcast co-host, Stuart, we watch an episode of Voyager and then we talk about it. It's not the most, you know, exciting idea for a podcast. Certainly not not like pitting two episodes of Star Trek against each other or anything. But we have some. <laughs> but fun. you pull it off with panache and style. That's what's important. They sure do. And you're doing it in order too, which is kind of fun because you can kind of do a rewatch, you know, in mm -hmm. order and and, see. and it's it's kind of fun the different perspectives too because Stuart, you know, this isn't the first time he's watched Voyager, right? But it's some things he yeah. doesn't remember. Like, and that's always kind of fun. Stuart is more of a casual Star Trek fan. Yeah. So he's seen the episodes at some point, but he's not, you know, in he's not like in, engrossed in the Star Trek culture. Right. So it's like sometimes, oh, he's in for uh, <laughs> a doozy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever episode comes up, <laughs> I, I look always look forward to seeing, uh, to hearing your guys' perspective on it. So listen to Delta Flyer. Oh, and while you're waiting for the next season of Delta Flyer, if you're going to go through some of the back catalog, I um, I recommend the episode on uh, Cold Fire <laughs> for no 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 reason no reason that's, yeah, that that has to be my favorite a, episode. <laughs> we had a fairly decent guest that episode. I think. Yeah. <laughs> now the, the the conversation does devolve a little bit into uh, <laughs> some crazy topics, which is a lot of fun too. 
I if I remember correctly, would be hard pressed to name an episode of Delta Flyer in which the conversation does not devolve into some crazy topics. And that's why it's an awesome podcast. <laughs> all right, all right. So, so let's get into it. Very unusual. I don't think I know this game. What's it called? Chula. What are the rules? In Snapchat, we compare the episodes using a variety of categories, and for each category, we pick a scene or a character or an idea or a prop which we think is great, and we award a point to the answer that we think is the best. Aggressive. Adversarial. Competition. For fun. We play for points, but we don't play to win. We play just for fun. The only prize is a great conversation about Star Trek, and hopefully... Considering two episodes from different angles and different points of view. All right. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter. We're at SnapTrek, and we're always happy to hear from you. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes, ideas for future episodes, and especially your Star Trek-related poems, (laughs) which always bring us great joy and gratitude. Uh, and you can uh, also get in touch with me on Twitter. I'm at EdetQuarks. Uh, Ross, how can people get in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter as well. Uh, I am Taborg at STRTRK1701. And Thad, how can people get a hold of you? I am on Twitter as well at Tyrannicus. That's T Y R A N I C U S. That's great. And uh, Delta Flyer is on Twitter also. Yes, Delta Flyer is also on Twitter at Delta Flyer Pod, or you can find us on our website, deltaflyerpod.com, or in whatever podcast player you want to use. Awesome. Excellent. Okay, so today is a little different since we're lucky enough to have Thad with us. Uh, so Ross and Thad will each be championing one of the episodes, and I'll be moderating, but I also get to award points because why not? <laughs> <laughs> Because I want to. Um, So what are we going to be talking about today? Uh, Today's episode of Snapchat features captains who have been mysteriously gifted starships for the purpose of revenge. (laughs) I love, I love when episodes are so bizarre, but they are the same. And there's two of those. <laughs> oh my goodness. Honestly, this particular very obscurely specific topic might even be better than kidnapped to be wrestler. Oh my seriously, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> the fact that there's more than one of these is so specific. <laughs> and we gotta give <laughs> we've gotta give uh Thad cre- uh, credit here for suggesting this epic topic. <laughs> and uh really really good call uh because there's yes there's more than one of these in star trek uh so ross what episode will you be uh playing for today i was lucky enough to watch tng series one episode nine the battle okay where picard receives the stargazer from damon bock okay and uh thad what about you I had the great pleasure of watching Voyager Season 4, Episode 26, Hope and Fear, in which the crew is seemingly gifted the Federation starship Dauntless. Mm. The NX-01 Alpha. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, as you can see, those 
<laughs> Two very different episodes. The plot is unbelievably plot similar. Is plot similar. Unbelievable. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but they go in wildly different directions, which is why we they love do. to do this. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's recap our episodes. Commander, I would like to remind you about my poetry reading this afternoon. I wouldn't miss it for the world. I can't wait to see what he's come up with. Here on Snapchat, we like to give lyrical recaps uh, for the episodes that we watch. All right, so uh, Thad, what did you come up with for Hope and Fear? Well, I have this limerick here of Janeway tries to decrypt the message from Starfleet. Arturus helps with a brilliant linguistic feat. Turns out it's not true. Borg hijinks ensue. The trip home remains yet incomplete. Very good. Very good indeed. That was very good. I love when hijinks ensue. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't? Okay. uh, Ross, how about you for the battle? Okay. Confession time. I really struggled to write a poem for the battle. (laughs) I don't think any, none of the key words, nothing rhymes with Stargazer. Nothing rhymes with it. I could. Yeah. I really struggled. Very few things rhyme with Ferengi. Right. Well. I know. I know. It's very tough. So I have written. This is uh, an interactive poem experience. Thad, are you ready for this? Oh, I'm ready. So I've essentially written. I've written. <laughs> I've written a series of jokes in the knock knock format. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this awesome. is this is how it's going to play out. All right. Okay. Okay, I've got, I've got to stop laughing. All right. <laughs> bok, bok. Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. <that's> just... <laughs> you don't need to finish the joke. That was good. <laughs> oh, Right. Oh my god. Okay. okay. Hold on. Okay. I, 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 okay. Do it again. The, we'll, the, we'll play along. We'll do that. The, the caveat should be as well. None of these jokes are funny unless you've watched the battle in the last forty-five minutes, <laughs> because they really are very specific to the battle and the 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 the, 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 the uh, words and the the context okay. of the battle. So just just go with it because okay. I got nothing else for you. We like that. We like that. We like the deep right. dive. Okay. Bok bok. Who's there? Who's there? there? Q. Q. <laughs> no, that episode's in season two. What I'm going to do is a poem about the battle where Picard attacks the crew. Ooh. Okay, he's just snuck in a rhyme there. I like that. But I'm fine. Yeah, nice. <laughs> bok, bok. Who's there? Who's there? <laughs> Picard man. Picard man. Who? Picard Man Hoover is the method whereby one a ship appears as two applied at the Battle of Maxia. It's what any good helmsman would do. Oh my god. Say Picard Man Hoover? (laughs) That is that is a new high. (laughs) I'm not sure high is the right word. (laughs) Right. No, it's not finished. It's not finished. (laughs) Bok bok. Oh my god. Who's who there? Is there? Nokel. Nokel who? No clue at all. No names, no reason. Can you identify them, Vigo? If they come in a second time, our shield's damaged. So I'm getting quite caught up in this, aren't I? <laughs> that is a quote. 
Nice. Wow. I... That is a deep, that's a deep cut. <laughs> right. Last one. Oh, okay. Buck, buck. Who's there? Who's there? Buck. Baku. Baku <laughs> in the briar patch. We're in Zendi Sabu. The daemon uses his big red balls and Picard goes quite cuckoo. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. <laughs> right, that's it. That's oh it. Oh my god. I think that's the first time I've ever heard the phrase big red balls used on a podcast. I, I did think quite a lot about whether I was gonna put that in. Oh, no. I had I had big red orbs, but that sounded even ruder. So... Yeah, I was gonna say somehow that's even <laughs> Oh my goodness! <laughs> right, that's it. That's, that's my poems. Oh, that's man. my jokes. Okay. Oh, oh, nicely okay. done, both of you guys. <laughs> Picard <laughs> and Hoover. <laughs> I'm dying. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna okay. take a breath. Okay. <laughs> let's get let's get started with round one. Okay. So, gentlemen. Um, for the first category, let's start off with the nuts and bolts, uh, with the ships themselves. What is your best gifted ship? Uh, Thad, how about you start us off? Well, I would say from a like technological standpoint, the Dauntless is certainly the best because it has the slipstream drive, which is really right. cool. And you know, you know, the Stargazer is just an old obsolete you know, ship there, so. is getting a kicking right out the gates. Anywhere. <laughs> I have trouble seeing why you wouldn't vote for the Dauntless. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, the, the slipstream device is, is pretty cool. Yeah. You can't argue with that. <laughs> uh, except it, it, there, it does have challenges, though, then with the, you know, tearing the ship apart is kind of a big uh, technological uh, <laughs> flaw. That they might have to work through. Was it going to tear the Dauntless apart, though, or just Voyager because of the way Voyager was? Going? Oh yeah, I'm assuming just the Voyager. Yeah, because I think I yeah, think you're right. That the Dauntless mm -hmm. itself could handle it. They did all the checks for that. That's true. I did. I did like the way the Dauntless looked. It looked very sleek, and I thought uh, a tourist did a good job of making yeah. it look like the next generation of a voyage of a Starfleet ship. Yes. So he did, you know, he's particularly thought that out. Uh, I was very impressed. Yeah, it does also have that advanced hollow imaging <laughs> to, to be able to, yes. to mm -hmm. you know, disguise it like that. Put it, you know, I was surprised put though, a that he said on it. that it was oh, it's a stripped back ship, has no holodecks. And I thought, that's the one thing they could have definitely put on. There's so much hollow technology there. They could definitely have popped on a holodeck or two. And, you know, <laughs> just to make it seem a bit more realistic. But then I suppose, you know. It's only going to take them three months to get back home. They got they've, they've got plenty of time to be on the holodeck after they get back. Yeah, I mean, I would take three months without Precisely. any entertainment to get back to Earth. <laughs> I mean, still three months without entertainment—that still beats seventy-five years with entertainment. I feel like. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, totally. They have themselves that they can entertain each other. Yeah, I mean, Harry can still bring along his oboe. Or oh, his clarinet, sorry. He can be play, playing the clarinet. Mm -hmm. that, that's still a goer. I'm sure Neelix is up for doing all sorts of interesting, entertaining things. Absolutely. Yeah. They've got Kata Scott, Calto. They can bring Cooking classes. Right? It does seem like it's closer quarters, too, which might be a little bit of a 
you know, concern. Just well, they have to, <laughs> you know, they'll have to bunk up. Rub it, Presumably, you know, someone bunk up in Voyager though, anyway. Yeah. Know, there's roommates. Yeah, on the, the, yeah. the lower decks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyone under, uh, I believe it's ensigns and yeah. lower, except Harry Kim, some for some reason. Uh, have <laughs> he's got to get one perk? He's got to get one perk. <laughs> he's got a pretty big suite, Harry Kim. Yeah, he does. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back on the Dauntless. The Constellation class Stargazer is the alternate ship in uh, the battle. NCC two eight nine three. A beautifully vintage-looking vessel, uh, rather than old and outdated. Uh, it looks a little worse for wear. In fact, the insides are quite burnt out, and all the consoles are covered in that sort of layer of rocks that always fall out of the overhead compartments during an explosion. Um, the emergency <laughs> power cells are still working, which is good. I like the way that everything is labelled on the inside, so the helm has the word helm written on it in huge letters, which I appreciated. Um <laughs> In Geordie's own words, he never dreamed he would be on her, which, you know, true of me as well. I never dreamed it. Um, particular shout out to the chairs, which had a really weird insect-like quality. Um, and I, I was sad at what happened to the Stargazer, you know, found adrift by the Ferengi and then manipulated to make it appear as if Captain Picard had destroyed an innocent vessel. So I felt like a bit of tragedy in the in the life of the Stargazer gives it a bit of a gravitas. Uh, and I think it was a, a beautiful alternate ship to be gifted to Picard. So I do actually agree with everything you say, said. I mean, I, obviously the Dauntless is new and the Stargazer is old, but I, I, I do love the design. Um, I like how they combine TOS movie era and TNG era props yes. for the bridge. I, I think it works really well. I think it's a... I love the fact that it's essentially just made out of two Enterprise model kits combined together just stuck together upside down i think it's yes. great uh, i love the creativity that goes into that just kit bashed mm-hmm. uh, yeah and it and it's not even like uh it's it's like the top of the saucer mm-hmm. on both sides too it's not even top and bottom of the saucer yeah that's, it works yeah, upside down I, I mean that's perfect especially when you're in space <laughs> <laughs> there is no upside down in space exactly that's why it's good to have a ship that can go in any direction at any time <laughs> we also got to give credit to the nostalgia factor yeah. mm-hmm. uh, for for the Stargazer because Picard, the look on Picard's face when he goes onto the bridge is just mm-hmm. priceless to see, you know. And you can you kind of feel it, like oh, he has such affection for this uh, ship, you know that you kind of. I will like say, I will say one negative about it <laughs> yeah. is it does seem like a fire hazard because it is a flame a lot. Uh, and the people who just sat there in it. So it does seem quite a dangerous place to work. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Why would you just sit at your post when it's when it's literally on fire? I mean, they, they were ghosts. Yeah, they, they were ghosts of the mind. Maybe, you know, Picard just running things together. I don't know. But it, it was weird. I mean, it looked quite, you know, visually it was quite impressive. But it looked a bit strange. Also, I have to... Because I'm me, I have to point out that they're wearing the wrong uniforms. <laughs> Good. Yes. Good. You, you should pull that out. <laughs> I was so hoping. I was so hoping that there'd be a uniform or a pip mistake in one of these episodes. 
<laughs> when we had knowing that we had that on. <laughs> so the Stargazer was lost in the early 2350s. Every other instance that we see from that era indicates that they should be wearing the TOS movie era uniforms without yes. the collar. Oh. Could this be just Picard's madness, you know, <laughs> confusing the present and the past? You know, that's what he's doing all the episodes. He's saying the wrong names and thinking about other things. Maybe that, that could be explained. It's an in-universe explanation. Headcanon. Why not? Sure. <laughs> I mean, it's better than the explanation of, well, this was in season one and they hadn't yet decided that right. they were using a different uniform from that time. Period. <laughs> yes. So, yes. <laughs> they hadn't figured anything out. Yeah, I like your explanation. It works. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. All right. So what about points wise? Where's everyone putting their point for this round? As much as I love the look of the Stargazer, I have to put the point towards the Dauntless. Just because of its, it's, it's looks so sleek. What's the, what's your reason? What do you think? Well, it looks really cool. Um, it actually yeah. kind of looks a bit like the Delta flyer. Um, I, oh, yeah, thought. I can see that. Uh, it does look like the Delta flyer. And the slipstream drive is awesome. Yeah. You make a good argument, Thad, but I am going to give my point to the Stargazer because it uh, is the first starship to carry out the Picard maneuver. And uh, it is a wonderful vintage looking ship, which I just thought was absolutely lovely. But I did like, I did think the uh, the Dauntless was a gorgeous looking ship. All right. I like them both, but my point this round's going to the Dauntless. Can't help it. Quantum Slipstream, that's Whoa. pretty cool. That is uh, cool. I, I also mm-hmm. just I, I actually like really like the look of the I don't know you can't say the the engineering section I guess you know where the, where the actual slipstream drive is that the slips I thought they did a good job of just making a mysterious doohickey you know yeah. box that was you know this is a quantum slipstream drive <laughs> but it you know but but whatever that means you know but it looked it looked neat and i, I liked watching them tinker with that and try to get that working or, or try to or they were trying to what, what was blonda do oh blonda was trying to figure out a way that they could stop it in an emergency and that sort of thing and and i i thought the engineering yeah. uh, section was pretty cool so i like them both but point goes to dauntless so yeah, quantum slipstream is just awesome. It's all yeah. well. It's all fun and games, at least until you find out that you're a, a, actually a biomimetic life form that's being degraded. By <laughs> oh, otherwise, oh. <laughs> that's that poor. Poor guys. Yes, um. <laughs> but that's a different episode. <laughs> all right. So okay. So round one, hope and fear has two, and the battle has one. Okay. Okay. So round two, round two, we're going to stay on our ships and go for the best scene on one of our gifted ships. So Ross, why don't you start us off for the battle? What's your best scene on your, on the Stargazer? I've picked like the climactic scene from the, the show where Picard executes his eponymous maneuver um he's being mentally manipulated to control the stargazer and he's reliving the battle of maxia and uh he believes the enterprise d is like an aggressive ferengi assault vessel and he is his voice while he's giving out the orders to the empty bridge is quite hypnotic and then you sort of cut to what picard is seeing and you get the ghosts of the stargazer crew sitting in all the flames and just like quite calmly just tapping away while they burn um 
And then he carries out the Picard maneuver, and you get this great visual from the point of the Enterprise D where the two ships are in the, you know, you see two ships simultaneously, but there's only one. But of course, by that point, Data's already figured out a way to overcome uh, the, 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 the Picard maneuver, and they capture it quickly. So I picked the just the, the, the big, exciting scene where Picard carries out the Picard maneuver uh, to attack the Enterprise D, which was just, it was thrilling, it was well done, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and the, the, the Picard maneuver itself is pretty, like, that's they, pretty cool. <laughs> cool thing like, like just i don't have anything like i don't have anything intellectual to say about it i just think that's really cool <laughs> so i i like that they we just it hear about it we got to see it it's neat yeah it looks great when you see you know that they do it really well you get a little stargazer you get the warp effect as it zooms forward and for a split second there's two on the screen it's really it's really good because actually to the layman that might be quite a complicated thing to figure out but actually they show it really nicely and it works yeah. really well as a visual and I cheated there because it wasn't, I suppose part of that scene was on the Enterprise D, so a tiny cheat from me. Yes, it still counts. <laughs> <laughs> We're not sticklers for that kind of thing. <laughs> nah. All right. So, Thad, how about you for Hope and Fear? Best scene on the Dauntless. Uh, for Hope and Fear, I have to go with um, when Arturus uh, is caught at and he's expl- and he explains his ba- his story and why he did everything that he did. Yeah. Mhm. When it's just him and Janeway and Seven at that point, right? And he yeah. Yeah, yeah and he's telling the telling us about how their deal with the Borg to defeat species 8472 led to a strong Borg that was mm-hmm. able to defeat his people and now he's bent on revenge and Yeah. It, it's just a very powerful scene. It is. He was great in it. Ray Wise was awesome mm-hmm. as Arturus. Ray Wise was amazing. Yeah. yeah, and he was equal parts terrifying and fierce and sympathetic, which we might talk about later on. But he was great. So any scene where he was my... doing loads of acting was just yeah. rather. Yeah. My only issue with the entire plot and thought and thought process here is how did he possibly know they had a corrupted Starfleet message that they needed to be decrypted like the entire thing hinges on that and how did he know that ahead of time yeah i kind of wondered like did he just take advantage of that like he didn't ha- like he went on to voyager not really having a plan of how he's going to get revenge and then seize that opportunity well, or... no, because he had to have set up the dauntless already oh yeah that's that true. that was the break in the the, yeah. the break in the plot for me because he, he's <laughs> he's fled the planet you know he's alone there's not many people and his sole interest is revenge it must take how much effort must it take to convert a starship? How many resources does he have? Is he doing it all himself? Obviously, he's obviously very intelligent and talented, but it must have taken him absolutely ages to sort to sort this out. Well, I mean, he did say, yeah, he did say that he was looking for them for mm. months or following them or what you know, whatever he says. But so I guess that in that time yeah. he could have been. But then you're right; he would have had to have had the plan to mm-hmm. have a fake starship. <laughs> already in progress because the the, uh, yeah. the message was real yes i mean they really did get, get right. a message it but, wasn't he didn't fake that but part how either. did he know and how did he know perhaps he intercepted because yeah. he's a talented linguist perhaps he intercepted it previously yeah. maybe he has contacts among the herogen and they told him for some reason because that's where they got it they got it through the herogen relay network mm. oh that's true 
And he does know what he's doing because uh, he's the one that helps Neelix, uh, you know, exchange for whatever right. supplies are. Yeah, no, his linguistic like. skills are real. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. That's not enough for me to. It was impressive <laughs> that he was able to like comp. He was able to like just by typing on the computer, completely fabricate a message from the from the admiral there <laughs> without even listening to it while he was doing it. I I'm impressed. That is impressive. Yeah. He must have known about it beforehand. Then he must have. He had to have. Yeah. But then, even so, even if you did say you had a fake message, like from their ad, you know, from their admiral that you had doctored up, how did he load it on there without them noticing? Mm. <laughs> because they were kind of just watching me, you know, just a few yeah. clicks, and then there's a fake admiral. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I guess you, when, yeah, when you really think about it, I guess it's he's an, he's an evil genius, though. That's well, his that's his thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's true. He was, and he was so consumed, like this, with jeal- with uh, I'm sorry, with not with jealousy. He was so consumed with the idea of revenge. All he was caring about, mm-hmm. you know, he was obsessed with it. So, yeah, I guess when you're obsessed with something, you can and you just focus on nothing but that all day, every day. All right. So, okay. So, hmm. So those are two really good scenes. Dad, how about you? Where's your point going for this round? So. As much as I love Ray Wise's performance, and I really do enjoy pretty much everything about Hope and Fear, uh, in this case, I'm going to have to vote against against my episode because the, the the scene on the Stargazer Bridge is a very, very good scene. And it is hard to do, just like because the Ray Wise scene is good. It's quite you know emotionally gripping, and this is this isn't quite as emotional, but it is really well done, and it is like the climax of the episode. Yes, so I think I'm going to go for the Picard maneuver as well. But uh yeah, it, it, you made a strong selection. Yeah, you 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 picked you picked the right scene. I was glad um you you picked that one and not the the horrible scene where they're trying to uh, uh arrest him and just the choreography. It's just so bad cuz there's like 10 <laughs> moments where they should have been able to get him. <laughs> And they just don't, you know? Yeah. And it's almost funny to watch, but it's like, they should have gotten him 10 times by now. There's no way he should yeah. have been able to to, uh, to get the, get this off. But uh, but yeah, so, but they're both good. I, my point's also going, though, with the with the Picard uh, maneuver. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just awesome. It just kicks butt. It so. is good. Yeah. All right. So at the end of round two, uh, the battle has four and hope and fear has two. Let's move on to round three. Uh, And for round three, let's do best line. So Dad, best line in hope and fear. Uh, Well, the one I settled on was impossible is a word that humans use far too often. Although a close second is Tuvok saying, wow, indeed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, I love Tuvox. Uh, sarc- simple, you know, simple sarcasm <laughs> that he has. Straight, straight yes. sarcasm. You know, his delivery is perfect. His delivery. Uh, but the line uh, you picked is is a great line, and it's uh, it, it's you see it that. referenced quite a lot on the internet, and it is good, and it's you know, it's it's a right, it's the right message as well. It sends out a you know a positive message about you might think it's hard, but crack on and have a go anyway. I like it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, for my best line, well, first out, sh- shout out to Riker. Keep repeatedly saying first officer to first officer, which is like a short, <laughs> short <laughs> for a frank discussion between him and Kazago. I wonder how often that really works as a maneuver. But you know, he did it a couple of times, and Kazago was on side at the end. Um, yeah, Kazago actually uses it then. Yeah. He he comes back and he tries to have a, a first officer first officer chat with Riker. Um mm-hmm. but the line I It works. I mean it made, he made a report with yeah. him. You know? Yeah. The line I ended up picking was the the line where Data reads out the last log of the Stargazer. The last entry dated nine years ago, sir, by you. We are forced to abandon our starship. May she find her way without us. Apparently she did, sir. Aww. I thought that was a nice touching line. It really highlights the reverence which Data and all the crew hold Picard. You feel nostalgic. So that was my line. I thought it was a nice touching line. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, the reverence they have for Picard and also the reverence they have for starships in general. Yeah, you you're know? right. Really treat uh, thinking of it like a person or not, you know, a, a thing that's going to get on without you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Mm. Those are both good picks. This, but points wise, points wise, mm. I, I think I like my lines, but they're not they're not the catchy line, which is impossible is a word that humans use far too often. I can just hear us saying it. I can see it on memes up and down the internet. Uh-huh. My points got to go with seven for this one. Agreed. Jen? I agree too. Seven's my girl. There you go. Three sevens. <laughs> jackpot. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was easy. <laughs> but you did pick a real good one, Ross. Uh, yeah. You did. Uh, no, no. You don't yeah. have to butter me up. But we all know which line was the best. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a seven or nine. Yeah, it is. <laughs> All right. So uh, battle has four. Hope and fear has five. It's a close one. Okay. So, oh, so round four, guys. Let's talk specifically about the uh, the revenge plots here. And we're going to go for uh, category four, the moment of madness. Okay. Uh, Ross... I, for the, the moment of madness for the battle, I picked Picard's dream, where he's been ministered by by Crusher, and she's put these two little sort of objects on his head, and he's having a, a bad dream as Bok ramps up the thought control device, and Picard relives the most difficult aspects of the Battle of Maxia while he sleeps. And you see the ghosts of the crew and the ghosts of Vigo, uh, and they're just sitting there nonchalantly in the fire. And you hear the but you hear the Picard maneuver be carried out, but you don't see it happen. You just hear him tell them what to do. And then Picard yells to fire, and then he whispers the word fire a few times with a menacing close up, just so you know that he really is mad. So that was my moment of madness when Picard has a mad dream. It's a good one. It's good, good it and is. mad. Yes. <laughs> now, can you can someone explain to me how this device? Do they ever mention how this device only affected Picard? No. It, there was. 
Because I... Uh, I think because it was in his quarters. Just because of the proximity to him. Yeah, I think so. Like, if it had gone to Riker's quarters, maybe it would have... But didn't he have the the headache, didn't he, before... Before they'd beam the stuff off the Stargazer. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, it, I wondered mm. about that. I'm... That seemed <laughs> seems like that I shouldn't just... have been possible. Yeah, or if maybe there was. Yeah, they, I don't think they make any mention of of it, like them using his particular brain pattern or what. You know, yeah. you probably have to calibrate calibrate the uh, the orb to that certain person's brain waves or whatever. Okay. And and if you wanted to tell the story, you know, a particular story, I suppose it has to know oh, right. what thoughts you're trying to relive, right. or you might just relive that pleasant horse ride he had <laughs> back on Earth, you know. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Okay, yeah, I was just curious, but okay, so that that's a pretty good moment of madness. What about sad for hope and fear? Uh, so I I go with. Uh, how Arturus becomes increasingly more unhinged as the as they get closer and closer to Borg space and culminates in him destroying the navigation system to make sure his plan goes through and then when Janeway makes one final appeal asking, telling him it's not too late that he can come with them and he's having none of it. Yeah. yeah. To just sit through to really just cut your nose off to spite your face and be like, mm-hmm. no, I'd I'd rather be assimilated than go anywhere with you. Right. Yeah. That is, that was like, that was really devastating to watch. And I, I, kudos to Janeway for even offering, the, offering him the way out because yeah. you could probably see that she would, you know, I don't know whether she could forgive him given that he's being massively deceitful and horribly manipulative obviously over a multiple period of time, a long period of time to get to this point. But she was going to give him the way out and he just sits there stony-faced and accepts what's happening. He did look, he had gotten properly insane by that point. You really saw that madness really ramp up over the course of the episode. That was, that's a great bit. And his last-ditch effort when he knew, you know, his plan wasn't going to work and, and, you know, trying to beat the clock of Janeway, uh, being transported off, trying to to shoot her before she, you know, gets yes. away. <laughs> and that is a that really is low blow from him as well, isn't it? That's like yeah. he was maybe it's he like, wasn't redeemable after all. If that is that's how he's going to go. Well, I think yeah, I think he thought like, well, I, I wanted her to have to be assimilated, but if I can't do that, then I'll try to <laughs> murder her. <Ooh. laughs> I guess. Yeah. But then. Yeah, and then when none of none of that worked, oh, I guess he tries. Doesn't he blow up the console too that Seven's working yes. on? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's that was kind of he. He really just, you know, because it's one. It's one thing to like. It's he's obviously is 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 having moments of insanity with his plan in general, <laughs> but then there's a switch from kind of passively just flying a ship where a board can get someone, and then moving up to actually performing violence on them, you know, like tr- blowing up the console they're, they're on and, and firing a phaser at them. So he, you know, he was really just, you could, you could see the desperation increasing with mm-hmm. each, you know, step that each move that he made. But then finally, I like when he, you know, when it was just him sitting there, just accepting his fate, 
ready to be assimilated. I I thought, um, I mean that his acting there without saying anything was really it just is the look on his yeah. face. I thought was really and he's got. I mean the makeup they give really him well is is acted. really it's it's a, he's a weird looking alien. <laughs> I mean obviously all aliens look weird, but I yeah. felt like he looks particularly odd as that sort of weird bulbous headed alien. I don't know. He looks and just to sit there through all the makeup, looking like, well, this has really gone wrong, and I'm just going to sit here and accept what's happening. It's it's a great bit. It's a great moment. Yeah. Right in that makeup. Yeah, mm. <laughs> something serious, but in that makeup too. And both both of our episodes had uh, particularly aliens with particularly bulbous heads today. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yes, they did. <laughs> They have they have a similar color pad palette right, too. Yes, They're both sort of orangish tan. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and bald yeah. and yeah. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So, but how about for points? Moment of madness. Uh, I the Picard's dream is good, like good proper madness, but. It's really nothing compared to Arturus's, because Picard's madness is not real, is it? It's not his madness. It's madness that's been projected onto him. Mm-hmm. But Arturus's mm. madness is his own, and it is sinister madness. And he really looks mad and terrifying. So he he wins my moment of madness points. Yeah, once again, I uh, I agree that it's just. You can clearly tell that at this point he is no. There's no more reason in his mind at this point. All all he can do is focus on his revenge. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Same here. That's that's where that's where my vote's going to hope and fear. Be, uh, because you're right. Uh, Picard's is uh, Mandis is manufactured. Mm. Um, you could say that you know Damon Damon Bach had a similar madness to Arturus. Um, and that he he also came up with an elaborate, uh, and I'm, I know we'll we'll talk about him uh, soon, but uh, coming up with an elaborate revenge plot. Mm-hmm. But he didn't like devolve the same way Arturus, no. you know, devolved. And and, the, and I thought that wasn't really he, he was a, Arturus is a really interesting uh, character. So that's where my points going to. Man, okay, hope and fear eight, the battle four. <laughs> Whoa! This round really was a little hard on the battle. We, yeah. we, could, we could even it out a little bit with round five. But, yeah, uh, let's let's make it uh, <laughs> try, try and make it respectable here. <laughs> the battle. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, well, this is our final category. Then, final category. We're gonna go with most sympathetic villain. Let's talk more about these villains. So, Thad, since we've been talking about our tourists, let's. Uh... So yeah. Uh, Arturus, I would say it is sympathetic um, because his people did nothing wrong. They were destroyed by the Borg. Uh, So as opposed to on the other side, we've got Bach where while Bach may view his son as innocent, his son wasn't innocent. Mm, Uh, So that makes, I feel like this makes Arturus' backstory more tragic. His entire people his way of life is gone and all he can do is he can't bring it back he can't think of any way that he can bring it back even if there are 20,000 left they could in theory recreate their society uh, mm-hmm. he's 
at this point, he's lost everything, and all he can do is seek revenge. So it is sympathetic. I don't, you know, necessarily agree with his motives. I am skeptical over his belief that Voyager is entirely to blame. Because I'm not sure that even if the Borg... Yes, if 8472 had defeated the Borg, then obviously the Borg wouldn't have gone on to attack him. But what's to say 8472 wouldn't have then gone on to destroy all life in the Delta Quadrant? Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, and there was... if the Borg had managed to defeat 8472 on their own, they still may have eventually destroyed Arturus's home planet anyway. So I'm not entirely sure I agree with his belief that Voyager is entirely to blame for the destruction of his people. They're certainly not directly to blame. But that's that's part yeah, of his madness, but... isn't it? That's part of the madness. He's He's yes. got nothing else to do. He's got nowhere else to go. He can't blame the Borg for doing what the Borg always do. And Species 8472 yeah, like are not he a factor here. It, yeah, he says that, doesn't he? He says he doesn't blame Seven for what's happening because you know they can't help themselves. The only there's only one person you can no, to blame. no more blame the Borg than you can a storm on the horizon. Yeah, yeah that's and that's a great. Um, he 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 that this is his madness. He has nothing else to do but think there must be somebody at fault, and he picks Voyager not at random but stretching the boundaries of what really happened to make it fit. Yeah, right. He just cha- he channels all of his anger and sadness into. Mm-hmm. Janeway, you know, into his feelings about Janeway, and you know that's where it drills. That's where he drills down into, and yeah, and and you know, it, it, oh gosh, it's it's yeah. Species A four seven two is a bigger, th- you know, arguably mm-hmm. a bigger threat than the Borg. So mm-hmm. can't really. I'm of two minds of this about you know what Janeway Janeway making a a deal and when with the Janeway Borg. made that deal, she also did not at the time realize that the Borg had started it. No, that's true. <laughs> right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's a good point too. The Borg also, the Borg seem like a more existential threat, don't they? Because they don't just kill you; they take you over and use you to make them stronger. Whereas at least eight four seven two has the decency just to knock you off. <laughs> no, they. They do also like remember what they did to Harry Kim. They do. Also I, I thought try to he, take I you thought over. that was just them trying. I thought it was like more like oh. a virus, like he contracted something, and they were, he was gradually going to just decompose. I didn't think they were going to be able to use him for anything. Maybe I'm not. No, I'm I not know. sure. I suppose it was never specifically explained, was it? Because it was just like all those little vines growing around his face, and then, and then he was cured, and just with that injection. Oh yeah, because Harry Kim must suffer. Yeah, obviously, but I mean. That's why they made Voyager, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Of course, of course. Um, my most sympathetic villain. Uh, shout out to the the crew of the Ferengi Marauder, who are amazing. Very, very season one Ferengi. Kazago. <laughs> Kazago does want to turn a profit. <laughs> that's fine. And then his friend, I think the other companion is Rata. He. He has a weird line where he says, ugly, very ugly. And it's such a weird, it's a weird thing to say, but it, it, it stuck with me. And I, I thought they were great as villains. But the real villain of the piece is, of course, Bok, who has spent his life savings purchasing these two mind control balls. Um, he borders a little on the pantomime sometimes. 
uh, particularly when he's on his ship in his lair, using the mind control device, sort of cackling to himself. Uh, you know, he's just monologuing <laughs> at Picard, which is is a bit strange. Um, and then when he appears on the Stargazer holding the massive orb, it really does look weird. Uh, but you do feel a, a twinge of sympathy for him when he tells Picard that he feels Picard was responsible for his own son's death. But he's, I mean, he's just, he's driven by revenge and is completely blind to the fact that his son was responsible for his own death, really, at the Battle of Maxia. Um, and then at the very end, Kazago essentially removes Bok from command because he's he's intent on revenge rather than doing what Ferengi should do, which is turn a profit. So Bok, Bok has a bad run. <laughs> I... I, I love that in Ferengi society, uh, like revenge is is a negative thing just because there's no profit in it. <laughs> You're not for such, any other. Such a Ferengi way to look at it. Reason it's just yeah, yeah it's just such a Ferengi way to look at it. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, you feel for him yeah. that he lost his son, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, of course, that's tragic. Um, but yeah, but his son wasn't compl- doesn't sound like his son was completely innocent, like. And he must have known this as well because he had to tamper with the logs in order to, you know, make it look like the card was uh, was in the wrong. Right. So he knew this really. But I mean, that's just that's revenge, isn't it? It's it's yeah. silly. And I guess you could also say though, for him being a Ferengi, I mean, how far deep his his sadness about his son and and his need for revenge went. Just the fact that he did acquire this yeah. ship. And didn't use it to turn a profit, you know. Didn't sell it back to them. <laughs> Just decided to use that, you know, have this elaborate mind uh, <laughs> mind probe thing on Picard instead, and and the fact that that overcame him instead of profit motive, um, you know, it's, it's kind of really sad for him, but. Can't go around giving people ships just to try and kill them with. Yes, <laughs> that's you just can't do that. It's unacceptable. Yeah, it's frowned upon. Word gets around. And yet it Word gets around. Us. Like, well, we've tried it once before. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. Coming up with these plans, these plots. I, I mean, those, that's a pretty. Those are pretty intricate uh, revenge plots. Oh. Expensive too, yeah. but you know, <laughs> Bok, Bok was rich. Oh, that's funny. Was, but he used, yeah. but he used yeah. up all his profit on this. Was, yeah. Mind probes aren't cheap, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> all right, okay. But as far as most sympathetic, I gotta go with Ar- Arturus here, uh, definitely, because um, you could just feel the the weight of. Of losing his mm-hmm. whole species to the Borg, um, they and they were innocents, and uh, and they and they mention that they had. Um, he mentions that they had managed to elude the Borg or or seven. Yeah, does. no, yeah. I, I, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven recognizes species, and and they had managed to elude the uh, figure out a way to elude the Borg, Borg for a long time until. Uh, you know, until this happened, and and that's that's really sad too. Um, so yeah, that my point's going there. 
my point is also going with Arturus because he is he's genuinely been changed by what has happened and you get the impression that he was probably not this person before the Borg took his, you know, destroyed everything he had. I think yeah. Bok, you know, Bok obviously has changed as well because he's gone from being a Ferengi to a person who is bent on revenge rather than profit. But it doesn't seem, it seems a little more unrealistic because it, he hasn't had stuff taken from him. He's had something bad happen to him and he is blaming someone vaguely responsible. That does sound a bit like a tourist now, doesn't it? But what happened to Arturus was just much worse. You know, in every possible way, uh, you have more sympathy for Arturus than you have for Bok. Partially because he's played really well and really... It's it's a really low-key performance by Ray Wise, and you really get that sort of sense of, of pathos. Pathos, is that the right word? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. How about you, Thad? Where's your point going? Yeah, I my points also go to Arturus just because of how much he how how much he lost that you can definitely empathize with someone for having lost your entire species and having nothing yeah. left but revenge. Whereas Bach could have continued on and lived a profitable yeah. life. You make a good point. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Our Arturus had nothing left. Yeah. Bach yeah. Bach could have you know, he obviously would have that would have always stayed with him, you know, his 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 grief. <laughs> um but he could have yeah. He could have at least lived his life where Arturus had nothing left. That's a good point. All right. All right, our final score. This was a shellacking today. <laughs> <laughs> Hope and fear has eleven, and the battle has four. Until so, those last two, the yeah. battle was doing fine. <laughs> it was. It was rolling the along battle put in the up beginning. A good fight, but I think we'd all be disappointed if the battle had beaten Hope and Fear because Hope yeah. and Fear really is quite a powerful episode. And the battle is a fun episode yes. and interesting. But it doesn't quite hit the mark of hope and fear. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a season one yeah. next gen it, episode. It really is. Oh. As far as season one episodes go, it's pretty good. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are some season one episodes I like. I have to admit, but yeah, uh, it does suffer from some of the you know criticisms of that season. But whereas hope and fear is is a is a Voyager episode that I really. I really enjoy. I think it's a really great. Episode. I forgot it was a season finale, actually, as well, and it does. It's a yeah, good, strong episode. It's not a two-parter. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and it really is a good episode to end a season on because you really come back <laughs> thinking that I'd like to watch more of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's a good way to end it because it's like kind of like reflecting on where they've been and what they've done mm-hmm. so far. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you know, moving on to kind of like the next phase of Voyager. That's no, like, yeah, that's that's a good ending well this was voyager um, at its peak uh season four and season five of voyager are just so good uh yeah. and especially yeah. season four ending season five beginning both both very strong episodes what's the uh, the opening of season five what's that one i've, I've forgotten so i always forget i always get it conf- the episode name confused uh <laughs> 
because Night and The Void, both, like, the names confuse yeah. me, so oh, I yeah. don't know which one it is off the top of my head. I do that, too. <laughs> it's Night. It's Night. Okay. Yeah. I always get one <laughs> and drone confused. The Void's, the spa- the void's the, later. The, spe- the area called The Void, which makes me feel like it should be called yeah. The Void when there's yes. also an episode called The yeah. Void. But, yes, Night, <laughs> which is very good. Yeah, night is the first ep- first episode of season uh, one. I always night. confuse yeah. one and drone. Because hope and fear into because night. those two. That's I awesome. Do that oh too. yeah, no, totally. The, completely yes. opposite. <laughs> the, the same ideas about the other idea. It's very confusing those two episodes. And one of them is named one, yes. but he's a drone. Yes. And it's... wait, <laughs> which one it's is very it? confusing, <laughs> but. And I actually, I'm still not sure which one titles. Which. Yeah. <laughs> They're yes. very Voyager. Yeah, the Voyager. Yeah. Voyager one more titles. <laughs> okay. Anything else about these episodes? Any alternate categories you think you would have won? Or anything else we should chat about? Bulbous headed villain. I'd have won that. I'd have won because he had the biggest bulbous head and there were lots of them. So I'd have won I feel that. like if you're going for Arturus's biggest, makeup he does looked biggest, better but... though. <laughs> Yeah, it did. Look, it did look. It did. You know what? The, the season one Ferengi it does not. You really see the difference looking at Bok versus Quark, for example. Yes. Yeah. Bok's nose looked like it was going to fall off any minute every time he moved, <laughs> whereas Quark, Quark looks great. Um, yeah. So you'd have won best makeup, but I'd have won biggest head. <laughs> <laughs> Dubious <laughs> distinctions. <laughs> Man- <Yes>. Manufacture triumph. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Here's to manufacture triumph. Right. I would think. Uh, I also would go with um, leisure outfits. In which case, I think uh, the battle loses handily because Picard goes to sleep in his uniform. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know you're not. You know you have a headache bad, he, if you're going to sleep. In he your does phone. have a very bad headache. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. And the, exactly. Out, the workout outfits that Janeway and Seven wear on the holodeck are oh, great. Oh my god. I adore their outfits. I <laughs> I adore everything about those scenes. I love Velocity. I love the... You know what? I love that game I as well. That's a great scene. Mm-hmm. I can't believe we've gone through the entire episode and we haven't mentioned it. Oh man. That. Because actually the the Janeway, the Janeway 7 dynamic is so strong yeah. through that yes. episode as well. And they, again, it is like the reflection of what's happened over the past season, mm-hmm. whereby she's been sort of Seven's mum, and now she's rebelling a little bit. I can't believe we went through the whole episode. Yeah. And not oh, that. she has so many mom moments in this episode. Um, my, my favorite one is is uh, they're talking to our Taurus and Seven. I forget exactly what she says, but something like like oh, you know, a species has managed to avoid being assimilated uh, so far, or something. You know, she says something like that, and and Janeway just gives her the the biggest mom look. You know, the, like and she shakes her head, no, <laughs> like, like seven, no, <laughs> you know, like a total mom, like mm-hmm. like be polite. <laughs> we have guests. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, and then of course their whole conversation of it, it's it's like it's like when you're child gets older and wants to be more independent and be themselves and this is who i am and you know you can't tell me what to do um <laughs> basically and her you know jayway she even says like like everything that I, I i've done i've done because i care about you and and i'm not she even says at one point she says i'm not your mom you know i'm not your friend i'm your mom you know not i'm your mom i'm not your friend i'm your captain <laughs> you know but yes. you just just plug in mom for captain it's the exact conversation that, that you have with teenagers 
but um but oh man velocity can we talk about velocity because of all the sports in star trek that is the one i'd want to play the most i think that'd be so much fun yeah it looks good yeah uh-huh. I, it's good i like racquetball uh and i like i just want to find games. out what happens in I... parisi squares that's exactly that's what I was true. thinking. I want to know about Parisi Squares. <laughs> Ma'am, it seems I'm, so violent. I want to watch a game, but I don't want to play yeah. it. I, yeah, I exactly. definitely yeah, that's, yeah. That's how I feel, too. I, I, I definitely watch it, but I don't know. I definitely not now I couldn't play it. Maybe when I was younger, I'd play Parisi Squares. But but I never like played much rugby or anything, so maybe I wouldn't be a Parisi Squares player, even in my youth. <laughs> <laughs> that That's, in my mind, what it's close to. Like a 24th century... You know, don't they have st- don't they have sticks rugby. though as well? What are these in the sticks? They for? do. Maybe like picking lacrosse, up the rugby ball and flinging like, it. Yeah, lacrosse exactly. and rugby. Yeah, but I think of it like that, like just like everyone bounce, you know, like crashing into each other and. Yeah, but you, you, know, you can you can yeah you can break to... limbs and yeah I yeah. I, 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 I want to watch you die and yeah. you can mm-hmm. die for for uh, doctor's the fake doctor's daughter. daughter she dies <laughs> that's oh right she fake she fake dies oh my god. <laughs> She so, fake dies. Really Are the only people who ever get injured in Parisi Square's fake holographic children? Because Riker's fake son <laughs> gets injured. Oh, oh my yeah. god, he does. That's oh my god. Funny. I'm seeing a snap track combo <laughs> here. <laughs> oh god. You definitely need to do fake oh, holographic no. children episode. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my 100%. god, that is such a good idea. That's a good I'm, one. I'm putting that down on my list. I'm right. That's going on the long list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I like that it's a long list and not a short list. It is. <laughs> oh, it's a very, very long list. <laughs> holographic. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well. Well, thanks for one hell of a game. Okay. Um. Well, that's about it for this episode of Snap Trek. Um, unless you guys have any. Anything else about this episode? No, no I think I'm, I think I'm no, done. I think I'm, I think I'm good. I've done everything I okay. wanted to do. I've been in two places at once. I've been mind controlled. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> All right. Well then, Thad, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. This was great to have you on. Uh, we really appreciate I, it. I, I echo that. It was so nice to speak to you finally and have you on. It's been a blast. I've really enjoyed it. So thank you for coming on. Yeah. I hope to meet you in person next year, Ross, because I'm I'm hoping to go to DST in London. You are kidding me. That'd be awesome. Yes, oh, absolutely. Man. I am I've awesome. I've already booked a place to stay. <laughs> cool. Yeah, if I'm staying, uh Terry already told me I could stay at his place. So Awesome. Amazing. That's fantastic. Congratulations. I'm looking forward to this. <sighs> I'm jealous. You guys well, got to take pictures. Post a pictures. whole more than a year to go, or about a year to go, Jen. Yeah, you've got plenty of time. Yeah. To plan Lots to of get... time to plan. Lots of time to plan. <laughs> Think of what our tourists could oh, do in this man. time. He'd be building a spaceship. Yeah, that's true. He'd be following the voyage. If you slipstream, then it's no problem at all getting over to precisely <laughs> England, right? <laughs> that's true. Yeah, or just you know, transporter. But I, I wouldn't go into the transporter. I don't want to die. <laughs> You don't want to have your molecules scrambled. That's that's a suicide machine. Nah, it is a suicide machine. As long as you come out the other side, anyone who's listened to Delta Flyer, we we bring that up every single time. Oh, I know, I know. 
and, and it's true it's true but all right well that that's great guys so take pictures <laughs> but um all right good now that we've finished with the old business on to the new time to hand out next month's story assignments Ritterhouse, we're waiting okay friends and neighbors let's see what uncle roy has for you today so that's it for this episode um and we'll see you on the next episode of snap trek the next on the next episode of snap trek we'll be considering um a specific day in the life of william t Riker. uh that's explored in two different series oh yeah uh, when we compare uh TNG's The Pegasus and Enterprise's oh These Are the Voyages. Classic. <laughs> classic comparison. Right. I'm looking forward to this. I've never heard anyone refer to These Are the Voyages as classic before. <laughs> I said classic comparison because they are obviously so related. Oh, no. um, and- <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah, I mean, completely related. I want yeah. to see the supercut where they just merge together. It's not a shoehorn. <laughs> they're not shoehorned together in any way. It's so natural. <laughs> I'm. I think it takes place during the during the commercial break. <laughs> of, uh, and Riker looks exactly the same. Uh, yeah, that. I mean, that's he the hasn't thing that aged. Jonathan Frakes hadn't yeah. aged at all. Watching them back to back is gonna be yeah. Make that it, I've seen a few. I've, I've looked at a few stills and it's like mm, that has not worked as well in yeah. the actual comparison. <laughs> How, but however, to oh, be honest, man. like to be honest, that's only like the fact that they turned it into a TNG episode is only like is only the second worst thing about that episode. the The worst thing is obviously exactly. the loss of the southern. Don't even say it. Don't even say it. <laughs> This is going to be a tough episode for me to record. You're right. That is definitely the worst part about that episode. By a country mile. I can hear him saying that. Oh, it did sound like something he would say. Oh, I love Trip. Okay. (laughs) On that note. (laughs) So, yes, that's what we'll be doing next time um but okay well that thanks again and thank you to everyone for joining us today please join us again and feel free to contact us and let us know how we're doing all right um live long and prosper bye-bye bye Peace and long life love it <laughs> bye uss stargazer constellation class starfleet registry ncc 2893. I activated the emergency power cells. Amazing, they still work. The rest of the ship is clear of surprises, Lieutenant Yar. You know what? I read about the ship at the Academy. I never dreamed I'd ever be on her. Yar to Enterprise. All clear, sir.
find this most intriguing, sir? What do you find, Data? Last entry dated nine years ago, sir, by you. We are forced to abandon our starship. May she find her way without us. Apparently she did, sir. <laughs>